This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to be teaching today about how to live free from fear and torment. How many can use a dose of that? Live free from fear and torment. And you know, I think about, I've, I've been walking with Jesus for a lot of years. I've learned a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. And you know, I, I know somewhat about the character of God and the will of God because I read His Word, study His Word, so that I know that His Word is His will. And I know that uh, back in the Old Testament, Israel, the Hebrew children, they were God's people back then. They're still God's people. But then out of the New Testament, Jesus tells us that every born-again Christian, every person that received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, becomes part of God's family. And so, we're God's family in this new covenant, and every Jewish person receives Jesus, they're part of the new covenant family of God. And so anyway, uh, I, see, I see that in the Old Testament, it's a type and a shadow of the New Testament God has for us today. Matter of fact, Paul said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, that we even have a better covenant with better promises than what they had in the old. And I see in the old covenant that when Israel transgressed and got in trouble with God, they went into bondage in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves. They were slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. And with that 400 years they were there, they were living under a curse. They were in a cursed place because they they rebelled against God. They were so anyway they were under judgment, and when it came time for God to set them free, God sent plagues into Egypt. How many know about Moses coming and told Pharaoh, "Let my people go," and God sent plagues, sent lice, sent frogs. <laughs> he turned the water into blood. He did so many things that were horrible. The cattle died, the livestock died, people died. But the Bible says through all those plagues. Not one Jew got hurt. The plague touched no Hebrews. None of their cattle died. No frogs came in their house. No lice came in their house. Their water was blessed. Their water didn't turn into blood. And God made this statement. He said, I want Egypt to know there's a difference between my people and the people of Egypt. And then the New Testament teaches us that Egypt is a type of the world. And us Christians, us Christians coming out of being unsaved, people that didn't walk with God, coming into the kingdom of God is like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt to go into Canaan land, to go into the promised land. So when we received Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we left the kingdom of darkness to come to the kingdom of light. And if God wanted the people back then to know there's a difference between his people that serve him and those that didn't, how much more so if we have a better covenant now? Amen. And so we as Christians have to know, just like Psalm 91 says, a thousand may fall at our left hand, ten thousand on our right, but if we're walking with God, it'll not come nigh our dwelling. And so we as Christians, as we look at the Bible today, we're going to see we can live free from fear from the things that are tormenting the world today. From the things that are tormenting even born-again Christians that don't know about their God, the things we're going to teach out of the Bible today. We do not have to have fear and torment. Amen. And I, I, I can safely say that the things I'm going to teach today, I have learned and proven work in my own life. Back when my son David was three and a half years old, he had leukemia. 
And we went through all the treatments and things we did like that. And God healed him in a couple of weeks time. But the thing was, I can honestly say I had no fear, no torment when my son had leukemia. I didn't deny what he was attacked with because faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. But I went to bed and I slept just as good as when he was diagnosed as I did before he was diagnosed because I've learned how to walk in the peace of God. About three years ago, I was diagnosed with blood cancer. And so I went through treatments and things like that. I can honestly say I had no fear. I had no torment. Because I've learned and I've practiced what I'm going to teach from the Bible today for you. And so I want to say this, especially if you're being fear and torment about life right now, you really need to take notes, write some things down. If you're watching on the Internet, get your Bibles out, follow these scriptures with us, write some notes down, because the Bible's true. You know, matter of fact, Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. And I think about that things I went through back in 2018 in the midst of all that treatment for blood cancer. At that point in time, my, my body had, my, my, my blood, the oncologist said, was 70% cancer. That's a pretty big hit on your blood. You know, I, I found out for sure that what God said in the Old Testament, that the life's in the blood, is true. And so, that my body <clears throat> had that much cancer in it. But then, through the midst of that whole thing, then I had a heart attack. <clears throat> and the doctor said that 99 percent of my right coronary artery was blocked. That means one percent of my main pumping artery was always working. And the heart doctor said I was a walking dead man, said I should have never made it to his his hospital. So went through that. And I can honestly say, through all those things going on, I was not fearful, I was not tormented. I want to say this again, and you might want to write this statement down. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. I wasn't in denial. If I was in denial, I would have never went to doctors. Amen. But faith changed those things. I was at two doctors this week. Did lots of blood tests, lots of things going on. And uh, anyway, went down through all the list. Everything in my blood is 100% normal. Amen. And then in addition to that, as the nurse was doing all my vitals and everything like that, she's reading them off. She said blood pressure, uh, 100, 122 over 79. She gave the oxygen level, something to 89 or something percent oxygen level. Then she said, your pulse is 59. I said, what? I said, that sounds really low. What do you mean, 59? She says, do you run a lot? I said, well, I said, I've got a 10-acre farm. I work in my orchard, work around the lake, and I, I walk a lot out there doing things like that. I said, well, 59 low? She said, no. So that's the heart of a young athlete. She said, you have the heart of a young athlete. Said, you have an excellent heart. And then she explained to me how hearts work and things like that again. And she said, keep on doing what you're doing. So I want to say, I want to say that I went through some serious things. And then I remember several years ago. We went through a bankruptcy. We went through some financial hits like you wouldn't believe. Went through a lot of things. That through all that different horrible things going on in this natural world, we didn't lose any sleep. We weren't tormented. We weren't fearful. Because I've learned things from God, His principles, His Word, 
his character. I've learned how to do what the Bible says to do. And I sleep like a believer. Somebody said, well, I sleep like a baby. I used to, too, till I found out babies don't sleep too good a lot of times. So I decided to do what the Bible says. He says he gives sweet sleep to his people. And so I chose to quit sleeping like a baby, start sleeping like a believer. Amen. How many of you new moms know that sometimes the babies don't sleep that great? <laughs> sleep at the wrong times, etc. And so anyway, I've learned those things. As, as, as I think about this, I think about you. And maybe all of you don't know what I know, and that's why I'm a Bible teacher, to teach us the things that I do know. And so let's let's take notes today. Let's look closely at this. And I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And, you know, as I think about what I'm teaching, uh, I don't have any written down sermons that I go back to and just say, well, what can I teach today that I've... Uh, got written down from all these times of the past. I teach a lot of the same things in different ways, but I always, without fail, every time I minister, whether it's a uh, maybe a funeral service like we had yesterday, or whether it's a church service like this, or men's meeting, or speaking some, speak some other venue, I always spend time with Jesus. And I ask Jesus what it is He wants to say to the people going to be there. And, you know, I, I want to give you something else to think about this fear factor, this fear arena. Now, just listen to what I'm going to say and think about this real closely. And, you know, this is not some big fancy definition I looked up. It's just what I've learned in life. Fear is simply being afraid of what might happen in the future. Fear is being afraid of the unknown because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you don't know what's up ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But I've learned, I've learned that faith is just the opposite of fear. Talk about faith in God, faith in God's Word. Now, I'm going to make a statement. It's not mine originally, but I know it's going to help some of you. God knows more about your future than you know about your past. God knows what's up ahead. And God knows what to do about it. I want to say it again. If you're afraid of the future. And let, let me tell you another little clue. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And there's no such thing today as news. All the television is, is Commentary. On the left, on the right, on this side, on that side. You can't turn on a television set or an internet and get straight news. It's going to be biased one way or another. And so the only thing you're going to get off watching those broadcasts is fear. They're going to tell you how many people are dying. How many cities are burning. All the things you can't do because this might happen to you. Etc., etc., etc. The Bible's going to tell you how many people are living, how many people are winning. Going to tell you how to win. The Bible's going to tell you how to have the answers to make sure you win. Because that's faith. Faith is having confidence in your future that God is in control. Faith is having confidence in your future. That God is in control. And so, 
I personally have come to the place of my life, I cannot turn something on that they say news. Because I find out it's not news. The only news that I found out that I can trust is the good news. I read the good news. It says, I'll protect your family. I'll provide for your future. I'll cover you with my wings. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, living under the open windows of heaven. You'll see the wicked and the rewards of the wicked, but you choose to be the righteous and live right for me. And that's what I'll bless you with. And so I get faith out of that. So when I hear the bad news about the future, I don't think about that. Because I think of what the Bible tells me, with long life will I satisfy you. Show you my salvation. And so I can say as a human being living on the earth, if I didn't know on the inside of me where Jesus lives, what I know, I might be afraid about things right now. And so as a man of God, I minister by the Spirit of God what God gives me for people that don't know what I know or live like I live. And so I really believe today is going to be a changer for a lot of you if you'll practice what we're seeing. And so last week, Pastor Dave and I, if you notice, we're kind of tag teaming off on our service. Service will be doing things like that. And so last week, what I knew I was going to be the one sharing the word of God today, I thought and I thought about this first John four eighteen. That's all I thought about all week long. And then when I sat down on Friday to fine tune what, what God wanted to say from this, all I knew again, this is God, what he wants to say. And so in first John chapter four, verse eighteen, he says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. Fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so when prayed and thinking about Jesus wanting me to teach on the love of God, I thought about so many times we teach and are conscious of doing our best to love fellow human beings. How many know that? We spend a lot of time, and we should, because there's so much hatred in the world, and hatred comes natural, but we're supernatural. We're supernatural, born of the Spirit of God, and so we have to continually teach people how to love their neighbor as they love themselves. How to, how, to, how to love their neighbor as Jesus loves us. How to love, forget, forgive, and all those kind of things. But I'm not so sure that Christians have been taught from the Bible how Jesus says we can prove to God that we love Him. That's the direction we're headed today. We're going to focus more on how we love God. How many know it's important to love God? He first loved us. And really, if you don't know how to love God, you're not going to be very good at loving people. And so, uh, Friday morning, I prepared myself to hear from God, to fine-tune. I asked him the question or questions that his people had and what answers he wanted to answer for them. And I learned a long time ago, now listen, this, this, this may be something you've never thought about, but I thought of this years ago and it's always stuck with me. Sometimes we don't get the right answers from God because we're not answer, asking the right questions. And so, 
I've, I've prayed this way for many years before I preach and teach the Word of God. I ask him, I say, Jesus, you know who's going to be there. You know who's going to watch this on the Internet. You know who's going to watch this in the future because it's recorded now. You know who's going to be seeing this. And Jesus, what questions do you want to answer for them? What questions do they have in their hearts that they don't even know to ask, but you want to answer? What is that? And this is this is what we have. And so I really believe there could be some answers for you today that you're going to be thinking that things you're dealing with in your life right now are the problem, but all they are is a manifestation of the real problem. And so to get the right answers for what you're seeing in life today, we got to get to the spiritual roots. And, you know, Lord gave me this phrase years ago, and it's always worked for me. If you want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. Amen. you got to deal with what's underneath the surface if you want to change what's on top. How many know that when you got born again, before you got born again, maybe you was a pretty good person, maybe you wasn't. But before you got born again, whatever your bad habits were, maybe you were a drinker, maybe you were a serious cusser, maybe you were a serious gossiper, maybe you were, whatever you were, your biggest problems were, and you thought that was your real problem, was all those things you were dealing with in your actions. Well, when you got born again, Second Corinthians 5.17 says you become a new creature in Christ. It says your new nature is God. And then it says a part of that nature, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and all those different things there. Well, all of a sudden, when you got born again, you noticed, hey, man, I'm not cussing anymore. The fruit changed because you changed the root. I don't hate people anymore. I'm not talking bad about it. I'm not a gossip anymore. Well, because you changed the root, you changed the fruit. And whatever, you know, you might have had a bad drinking habit. And your thing might have been like my family was. Well, you know, uh, drinking runs in the samples family. Well, I found out the answer to the drinking in my life. I changed my family. In the natural, I'm still a samples. But the supernatural, I'm a son of God. And so I changed what was in me and it changed my actions. Amen. And so today, that's what I believe. We're going to see some things that are going to help you change some actions and you'll change some things in your life. And so I want to read 1 John 4:18 again. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so people that don't know Jesus are full of fear and torment in life. The born again children of God don't have to live in fear and torment when they have the revelation and the understanding of the love of and for God. I want to say that again. The love of and for God. And then they choose to grow in it. They choose to grow in it. And I think about little Andrew right now. You know, little Andrew is getting to be a little chunker. And, you know, I heard somebody say that how, how little Andrew likes mama's milk. And then I think about little Seth back there likes mama's milk. Man, every time I, 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 I see that mama, I got to blink it up doing the feeding. And so I, I know... I know that he's growing because he's feeding. And all the other little babies in the congregation, think about your new one. And all the, all the babies that are feeding and growing like they're going to grow. 
But have you ever seen those pictures, those babies from Africa and other places where they don't have nourishment, how they don't grow, how they're little scrawny, pitiful looking things because they're not eating good? Well, the Bible teaches that 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 spiritual growth parallels natural growth. It's very similar. If a person in the natural doesn't eat good, they get scrawny and weak and puny. Well, if a Christian, if a Christian comes in and lets a preacher feed them one time a week, and then they go for the whole rest of the time and they never eat again, they're scrawny, they're weak, they don't have much life spiritually because they're not eating. They're not feeding. And then, with all the different fears that happen in the world out there come around them, they say, wow, I wish I could be like Desiree. Desiree seems like she has no fear. Every time I come into Home Depot, she's just smiling. She wears her mask. She's smiling. But, but she's not afraid. Or, or I wish I, I wish I'd be like Alex. I don't know. I know. I think Alex is a church boy and, and does those things, but Alex never seems to have any fear. Or I think about Tony back there even. You know, Tony doesn't seem to be like us. We go to church. How, 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 how come, how come Tony just seems to be smiling all the time? He's not afraid about things. Where you talk about the difference between Christians that take this seriously and Christians just think that, uh, church is a nice thing. And we know the Bible's a nice thing, but they don't realize, realize it's the difference between life and death. Amen. Is the Bible true or not? Did God say that perfect love cast out fear? He says fear has torment. And so to me, there's some things we need to see about this perfect love. What God said about this. And so anyway, born again children of God don't have to live in fear and torment. Say that to me. Say, I'm born again. I belong to Jesus, and I refuse to live in fear and torment. Okay, amen. <clears throat> and so, perfect love cast out fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So it would seem like the key here is not just the love, but that word perfect that he's putting with the love. So that's what cast out the fear. Because I know... I know that probably everybody sitting in here today and probably most of the people watching this out there probably love God. They probably know they're supposed to love people so they know about the love of God. But if you're still tormented and messed up in life about what's going on, then we need to learn some things about this perfect love. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I just think about myself. I always pray at the Lord. As in examples of my life it used to help people, I like to use me for an example if that's what God wants to do. I want to say it again. In 2018, I was diagnosed with serious blood cancer. Had a heart attack, etc., etc., and I walk in divine health today. I not just say it, but the doctor said it. Said, I've got all my healing back. And the heart doctor said, no damage to your heart. Perfect heart and all those things, and through all those things going on, I was not tormented. I had no fear. And so I know this works. It's the Bible, and it works. So if you're a Christian, and you're having problems with the future, problems about what all's going on around you, just keep on listening and do. And as a matter of fact, Paul said this way, he said, follow us as we follow Christ. Now let me ask you this about Christ. Was Christ ever fearful or tormented about anything? No, he wasn't. I'm following Christ, so as I follow Christ and do what he taught me to do, that I should have what he had, which is no fear, no torment, but peace. 
And so if you're going to follow spiritual leaders that are following Christ, then you should be able to live your life without fear and without torment. Amen? That's not to say there's not bad things going on. But Jesus did pray in John 17, said, Father, said they're in the world, but not of the world. He said, while they're in the world, he said, I pray this, that you'll protect them from evil. Amen. And so I can say this, my physical body right now carries my spirit around. One of these days when my body lays down, my spirit's eternal. My spirit will be the same spirit when it leaves this body as it is this body speaking to you right now. My spirit is seated, according to the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, if you're taking notes, says that we as Christians are seated in heavenly places spiritually with Christ Jesus. Amen. And so my citizenship, Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm a current resident of earth, but my true citizenship is heaven. And so I choose to walk in the rights of my citizenship. So I'm in this world. This is not my permanent address. I'm going to be moving back to my real place someday. Amen. And so we need the revelation of those things. So this perfect love now, I want you to get this. Perfect love simply means mature love. Mature love cast out fear because fear has torment. A believer that has grown and matured in the love of and for God never lives in fear. The Bible says it. All I'm doing, I'm the messenger. I'm repeating the word of God. I'm called by God. I have a gift from God in my spirit to be a Bible teacher. As a Bible teacher, I'm not going to teach my ideas. I'm not going to teach my opinions. I'm going to teach from God's textbook. And so God said, a believer that has grown and matured in the love of and for God never lives in fear or torment. And so I will never have a fear of the future. I know who's got my future if I stick with him. Now, if I walk away from him, that changes. And so, therefore, I've got to stick as close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father as I can. Jeremiah 29, a lot of you know that verse says he has a good plan for my life. He says, plan for a future and a hope to give me an expected end. What do I expect my end to be? For me personally, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I expect Psalms 91.16 is my expected end. Long life. Long life. Healthy life. Victorious life. Delivered life. Successful life. I expect Acts 16.31. He'll save me and save my house. I expect... I expect all my children, their mates, all my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to be born-again Christian servant Jesus. That's my expected end, that I get to heaven. I don't expect to be looking around at the family up there and say, Oh no, she didn't make it. Where's he at? I get to heaven, I expect to see all my offspring standing in heaven with me. What do you expect for your future? Are you just hoping and praying? Or are you praying in faith? 
Uh, there's so many buddy trills we could hit. But you know that expression, you hear people say, well, I'm just hoping and praying. Well, see, all hope is, is just something that you think that can be. Faith is knowing what will be. And so you need to get out of the hoping and praying into the faith that I'm praying. So as you see in the Word of God what God says His will is, then you can pray in faith concerning your family's salvations, their deliverances, their victories, their protection, their provision. Amen? So let's just make a shift there and start praying a little bit different. So anyway, as, as we look at this, the questions I ask the Lord, it's obvious what question number one would be. Uh, just answered that. Question number one, how can a Christian live free from fear and torment? That's the question God just answered for you. How can a Christian live free from fear and torment? The Bible answer, grow and mature in the love of and for God. Aren't you glad you just got that question answered? Amen. Somebody, somebody, somebody say, I'm glad. I just got my question answered. I can live free from fear and torment. No matter what I see, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what I hear on the news, I'm a Christian and I can live free from fear and torment. Now, the Bible answer is grow and mature in the love of God. So that make the second, session, second question really easy, wouldn't it then? How can you grow and mature in the love of God? Love of God and for God. And I learned years ago as a baby Christian, I said, I said under a pastor that taught the Word of God, like, Word of God a lot like I do. I, you know, you, you imitate people that influence you. And so I, I learned to teach the Word of God a lot like my pastor taught me. And I learned as a baby Christian, there's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. A preacher preaches hope to you. A preacher stirs you up and gets you excited that God has something good for you. But then a teacher shows you how to get what God has. So see, as a preacher, I could have stopped after question number one. I could have said, well, if you'll just grow and learn to love God, then you'll live free from fear and torment. And you sit there like I did. The first church I went to as a baby Christian was a preaching church and not a teaching church. So I remember as a new Christian, I wasn't raised in church, didn't come from a Christian family. So everything the preachers said up here at this pulpit, man, they was all new to me and excited me. Man, they told me that God wanted me healed. They told me that God wanted my family saved. Told me God wanted to bless my job, my money. They always told me what God wanted to do. And every week I would leave there thinking, well, boy, that's nice. But how can I get him to do it for me? I always left there every week with more questions than answers. They always told me, man, God wants you blessed. And where I came from, I thought, man, I want to be blessed too. I wanted it all. But then I learned that a preacher excites you and stirs you. Then a teacher shows you how to get the promise. Amen. An example my pastor used to use that I like, a preacher would tell you, like, like we lived in Indianapolis and in Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time, we called that the Bible capital of the world for us. A lot of good Bible schools of faith people came from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so my pastor said a preacher will tell you, man, if you just get to Tulsa, man, you get to Tulsa, they teach the Word of God to all these Bible schools, all these great preachers in Tulsa. If you just get to Tulsa, but never give you a map, where's Tulsa? How'd I get there? And so you'd leave church thinking, 
Man, I'd love to get to Tulsa. If I could just get to Tulsa. He said that a Bible teacher come out and say, now here, here's an atlas. This is where we had all the stuff we got now. Here's an atlas. I want you to open up this page right here. And you look at Indianapolis and you see a highway called I-70, Interstate 70. You get on Interstate 70 and you drive to St. Louis, Missouri. When you get to St. Louis, Missouri, look on your map there now. It says I-44 West. You go to I-44 West, you take I-444 West for about 300 more miles, and then you get here to I-58. And so he shows you step by step, here's how you get from here to here. So that's what a Bible teacher does. They tell you, the peace of God is yours. Freedom from fear and torment is yours. And now I want you to open up your atlas, your Bible. I'm going to show you how to get from where you are now from fear and tormentville to peaceful land. I want to show you how to get there. Amen. Is that good preaching or what? Amen. Amen. And so, so the, so the question is, how can you grow and mature in the love of God? And so concerning spiritual questions, I always go to the Bible for God's answers. And so I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Just go over just a little bit. And I want to say this again as you're turning there. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Fear and torment manifest in a person's life in the natural realm. But fear and torment come from the demonic side of the spiritual realm. The spiritual always determines the natural. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And, you know, I think about, I think about the church. You know, you that understand spiritual things, when you come into a church like this, where the Holy Spirit's allowed to be the Holy Spirit, where you have people that come in, they're already prayed up, people that are anointed, they come together to church service like this, well, the atmosphere is charged with the power of God. And people that come in from the dark world, out there all around them, they come in, when they leave, they say, man, I just feel so good when I go to church. Man, I tell you, I don't know what it is, I just feel good. And, Sinners come in, they leave and say, man, I just feel so good in that place. Well, what they don't understand is not because it's a good place, it's because it's a spiritually anointed place. And those spiritual anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, you know, I quote verses, write verses down if you'd like. Isaiah 10, 27 says the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Isaiah 10, 27, God's anointing God's presence takes heavy stuff off of you. God's presence in the spiritual realm changes how you feel the physical realm. Amen. And so, fear and torment manifest a person's life on the outside, but they come from the spiritual arena. And of course, people have never received eternal life through Jesus Christ are spiritually dead. So they can, they, 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 they can only see and fear torment on the outside because they don't have peace on the inside yet. But as Christians, we have it on the inside. We need to get it to the outside. So now, I want to read 1 John 2.5. I'm going to read it. 
in the King James, but then I want to read it in the Amplified because that will really help you. But I want, to, I want you to see some common things here. We just saw in chapter 4, verse 18. Whoso or whoever keeps his word, it verily is the love of God, what? Perfected. What does perfect love do? Cast out fear. How does perfect love come? By keeping the word of God. Amen. Keep the word of God, then you're going to get perfect love. And then perfect love, cast out fear. It says the love of God is perfected in the one that keeps the word. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now, the Amplified Bible, you know, if you have a Bible app, I don't think you can buy real Amplified anymore, but you might be able to. But I've got old original Amplifieds when they first came out, and they're different than the new Amplifieds. Just like a lot of these new translations, I don't think are so great. They help you understand some things, but you better understand the Bible first before you read some of these new ones. But the Amplified Bible says this, But he who keeps treasures, treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. It says the one that treasures, that values, respects, honors, obeys what the Word of God says to do, says the love of and for God has been perfected, completed, reached maturity. And so you see where we get it at, that perfect love is mature love. And so as you're growing in the love of and for God, there's a difference. The love of and for God. The love for God says as you do, because you're keeping His Word, you're growing in His love. That's what He says. says then your love is growing and becoming perfect love. And you know, we get, we think about the word perfect that, you know, that we think about the word perfect being, well, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Everything's, everything's there, et cetera, et cetera. But in the Bible, the word perfect here means mature. It means grown up. And so as your love, because you're never going to be perfect. And your natural love is never going to be perfect. Uh, just get married and stay married for a few years. You'll find out that your love is always perfect. Right, honey? Talk about me. <laughs> but, but my love of and for God can be perfect. That means mature, grown up love for God, of and for God. And so... The more that we fall in love and value what God speaks to us personally from His Word and then put into practice in our everyday life and decision-making progress is how we grow in our love of and for God. And I, 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 th- I think about, I was thinking this morning about when I got born again in January 1980 compared to now. I'll be honest I'm glad I didn't get born again in these modern times with smartphones and internet and cable TV. Back in 1980, we still just had four channels on TV. And for the people that are just a little bit older, how many remember what happened at midnight on TV? At midnight on TV, the flag flew. They say they sang America the Beautiful or something. They sang a patriotic song. And then all of a sudden, a big circle came on the TV and went, Doo! 
And then it said we will resume broadcasting at 6 a.m. or something like that. In other words, you couldn't stay up all night long and get stupid. So if you couldn't sleep, you either got to turn the radio on, or if you was a Christian, open your Bible. And so as a baby Christian, as a baby Christian, I was a single man at the time. I had a nightstand beside my bed, and I left my big King James Bible right there in my nightstand. And so, before I went to sleep, whatever Bible verses I was deciding to learn, that I was learning, because I had to learn it all, I was like the little nurse of babies, man. I, I, man, I was grabbing hold, I was, I was getting everything out of that I could get. And so, I would go to sleep, and the last thing I'd do is lay there praying. I'd look at my Bible, I'd quote the verses that I was wanting to learn, I'd turn the light off. If I, woke up, if I woke up in the night and I couldn't go back to sleep, I'd turn the light on. I'd roll over and pick up my Bible. I didn't pick up my iPhone and go. I didn't do that. I picked up my Bible and I read Bible verses. What was I doing? I was treasuring God's Word. I was meditating in God's Word. I was learning God's Word. And what was that doing according to the Word of God? My love for God was starting to mature. How many know that God and His Word are one? And so when I was reading His Word, I was waking up and God was talking to me in the middle of the night. But I got the morning time that I would get up. Matter of fact, I still do this every day. My wife lays beside me every night. I used to hear me whisper to Jesus every night. Last thing I say every night, I say, Good night, Father. Good night, Jesus. Good night, Holy Ghost. I love you. Get up the morning time. Good morning, Jesus. I love you. And the Word of God right there, and I'm telling you how I've grown and matured in my love, because He said, He that keeps and treasures His Word, said He's maturing. He's growing in the love of and for God. And i got to keep on putting this out there for you. Perfect love, growing love, mature love, cast out fear. Because fear has torment. Now, I think that helps you understand why I could go through a heart attack, blood cancer, the things I went through and never feared. Because I had mature love. Amen. I had grown-up love for God because I loved His Word and I treasured His Word. Amen. Is this getting into anybody? Amen. And so anyway, I, I just, you know, I just, there's nothing I can do about smartphones for your life. But I know that for me, about ten years ago, I was at a missions conference in Visalia, California, and they wasn't even talking about smartphones. I'm just sitting in the, in the congregation there just as a pastor at a missions conference, and all of a sudden I realized I had a news app on my phone that I looked at all the time. I had the Facebook app on my phone I looked at all the time. And I sat there in that service, I thought, man, this is stealing, this is stealing my faith from me. And so I took that Fox News app off. I took that Facebook app off my phone. And I've never put it back on. Because I realized that smartphone was trying to be smarter than me. Amen. And so I took those things off. And so if I want to see something on the news, which isn't news anymore, I'll just pull the website thing up. And I'll briefly go through the headlines. And mostly all I see is the same thing. Just stupid, 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 stupid with a capital S. And so I don't have that thing all distract me anymore. And if I want to do Facebook, 
which I do a few times a week. I don't have the app on there. I have to go the long way around to get to it, to look at it, because I found out those things are time stealers. And one thing I do do, I still do what I started doing uh, 40 years ago. I carry three by five cards on them in my, in my pocket with verses on them. I'm treasuring God's Word. I love God's Word. I do everything I can to keep that Word before my eyes and in my heart and in my mouth because I want to grow and mature in the love and for God. I hate torment. I hate fear. I like to sleep peacefully at the peace of God. I like during the course of the day, no matter what's going on around me, to walk in the peace of God. And He tells me, as I grow and mature in this love, I can. Amen. 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 And so, every time I read the Word of God, I think about the love of God. How much He loved me, what He has for me, and that keeps me in peace. Now, I want you to go to John chapter 14. And this pretty much we're going to wind it down at. And we're answering the question, how can you grow in the love in and for God? Aren't you glad that here we just don't give you hope? But we show you how to turn your hope into reality? The Lord spoke that to me a few years ago. And I just think about how good that statement is. Preaching gives you hope, but teaching shows you how to turn the hope into reality. I preached some hope right into you at the start of this thing, and now I'm showing you how to turn it into reality where it's working in your life. How many are glad when peace shows up and torment leaves? Amen. Amen. i t- I tell you what, I make a statement sometimes. Just because it knocks on the door doesn't mean you have to answer it. I'll tell you what, the fear of the stuff trying to knock on my door. I don't know about you, but nearly every day, man, something tries to knock on my door and get in. And I always answer with faith. I answer with what God says. But John chapter 14, I'm going to be reading verse 15 and then 21 to 24. And when I read this passage, I think about Dr. Barclay. He's my pastor now. But in 1980... In September 1980, God hooked me up with my pastor. That was my pastor for years till he moved to heaven in July of 1993. And he's the one that taught me and laid the foundation in me of the word of faith more than anybody else other than the brother Hagen. But my pastor taught this, this passage here a few times. And it's always influenced me. It's always stuck with me. And my prayer today is I teach these words of this verse right here, these verses right here. My prayer is that what I teach to you will do for you what it did for me way back in the early 1980s. And that's, that's been a few years ago now. All my Christian life, every time I read these verses, I can hear my pastor's voice that taught me 40 years ago these verses. I still hear his voice because spiritual things are more real than natural things. And I'm sure there are a lot of you and a lot of times when you read verses, you probably remember when I taught them to you. You may, may hear my voice even, or you hear them or Pastor Dave or somebody else. And I was, I was thinking a couple of days ago about some of the, uh, the, the young Christians I influenced when I, when I was a young pastor that are preaching today and serving God today. And I saw, I see different, different posts on Facebook or Instagram sometimes and things like that. And I think, wow, I remember when she was a young Christian and got born again and sat in my church taught of the Word of God. Now, she's a Bible school graduate. She's out preaching. He's out teaching now. 
but I still remember things then that I put into them at different times. When I let them speak at my church and do services, they'd speak, and they said things. They got from God, and I still see their faces as they talk. And so the thing is, these verses influenced me forever, helped make me the man of God I am today to live how I live. And I really believe with all of my heart, if you'll listen to these words I have to say from these verses here, your life will change this day forever. Amen. And so in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. See what he said? Jesus said, if. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That means he said, if you love me, do what you see in my word to do if you love me. And then he says in verse 21 to 24, He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. He that loves me and keeps my commandments, he it is that loves me. Perfect love cast out fear. When you keep my commandments, you show that you love me. Perfect love cast out fear. When you keep my commandments, you're proving you love me. Perfect love cast out fear. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me, perfect love cast out fear. What are we talking about? Perfect love cast out fear. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. Perfect love cast out fear. I want you to get this. Perfect love cast out fear. Keep my commandments. As you're showing you love me, you'll be loved my Father. And I will love him. Perfect love cast out fear. And will manifest myself to him. And so he's saying, he's saying that when you keep his words, you obey his words, you're showing Jesus, I love you. And he says, then I'll be able to show my love to you, and my father will. Now I want you to look at verse 24. He that loveth me not, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine. But the Father's which sent me. And so he's saying that if you don't do the word of God, he shows you to do, then you're saying, God, I might have a love of you, but I don't have a love for you because I don't do what you tell me to do. I can still hear my pastor preaching that. As a baby Christian, that really just slapped me upside the spiritual head. I thought, Wow. Jesus, you're saying that if a person hears the Bible and they don't do what it says to do, there's a saying, God, I don't really love you. Wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And, you know, I'm thinking about how this works in the natural world. I always like to ask for examples. I proved to my wife this morning I loved her because I kept her sayings, and she doesn't even know it yet, so I will tell her. Most of you know by now we've got a really, really, really beautiful place. A little 10-acre farm. We have a pistachio orchard, got a hundred trees. We got a two and a half acre lake. We have a lot of wildlife. And so when I get the morning, I don't see what a lot of you see. Dirt, dirt, and more dirt. I've got a great big, great big grassy yard in the front. Great big grassy yard in the back. Because where I am is grandfathered into the water supply. And so I've got water to water my grass, so I have a lot of grass. I like grass. I got water to water my orchard, because I like the orchard. 
that man you all see those pistachios. I was out there yesterday picking pistachios off those trees and looking at them, man. It is fat, good fruit, and they tasted good. And in my lake, I have a lot of lake. Some of you guys have seen my fish. I sat on my dock the other night, watching the sun go down, looking at my fish. I got fish in that lake that big in the desert. And that's not exaggeration. They're that big. I've looked at them. I got fish three foot, four foot, five foot long in that lake. They've been there for years. The guy bought it with off of never fished the lakes. I got giant fish. And so I love my lake. And so anyway, I'm saying that to get to this. My wife is refined. She's been trying to refine me for 38 years. And sometimes she makes a little progress and sometimes just one step forward, two steps back. Because I come from a heathen family, she comes from a refined family. She's New Englanders, they come from New England, they come over on the Mayflower, and they're really fine people. They've been refined. And so my wife tries to live a refined life for me. And so in my bedroom, where my bedroom is, I've got a really nice refined chair. It's a big fancy chair she bought. You sit in this fancy armchair and it ought to be in a museum somewhere, but it's nice. And so I got this real fancy chair in my corner there. And I have a little place there where I have my Bible time, my prayer time. And I sit between two windows. I have it right in the corner. So you got these fancy white lace curtain things on both the windows right there. I sit in the corner. I got it. As I sit in my corner, I got a window here and I got a window here. I look out this window. I can see the orchard, all the nuts and everything out front and the big grassy front yard. All I have to do is turn six inches that way. I look at the lake. And when I look out the lake, I got great big giant trees. I mean giant trees. And I got owls that live this one tree. I sit there, I watch the owls. And I know their voices now. They sound different. One of them goes, hoo, hoo, hoo. And the other one goes, hoo, hoo, hoo. And I think about the cowboy days. Sometimes I think, man, the Indians out here. But I watch the owls go, hoo. And now I've got four cranes that are on my lake. And so I look out the window. As I read my Bible, and I see the owls, I see the cranes. I looked out somewhere, I saw a great big blue blue heron bird lying out there. Man, that thing must be five foot tall. Big blue bird, man, got a big old neck that long, walking out there fishing. And I look over, and I see the ducks swimming everywhere. And then I see the fish jump, because those fish jump out there. I love that view. But I said that to say this. I have a refined wife. And she likes to keep those lace curtains pulled. And she likes to keep that chair aimed towards the middle of the room. And you can't see out the thing with the curtains closed and the chair looking at the middle of the room. So when I go to study my Bible, I spin the chair around by the window. And I move the curtains all around. I get them up out of the way. So I can see real good what I'm doing and enjoy the view. And so because that's my study corner and nobody sees my bedroom but us, I see nothing wrong with leaving the curtains up out of the way. And the chair pointed where I want to see at. And so for a long time, my wife told me, that's not aesthetically pleasing. I said, well, who cares about aesthetically pleasing? Nobody sees it but me. But I do. It's my room, too. I said, yeah, but that's my corner. Well, that's not aesthetically pleasing. So she walks in, she fixes the curtain, spins the chair back around. So the next time I come in, then I got to spin the chair. And I got to move the curtains because it's my corner. So this morning I was sitting there, and I've kind of started doing this lately more and more. I thought, I want to keep her sayings because I want her to manifest herself to me. He it is that loveth me. I thought, I love her. And so because I love her, I'm going to do her sayings. And so I realized 
that to prove to my wife I loved her, I didn't do this for that reason, but I realized the spiritual implications. This makes her happy if I do what she wants me to do, not what I want to do. So this morning, as I was getting through with my time before I came to church, I looked at my chair, I looked at the curtains, I thought her sayings are, fix the curtains back, spin the chair around. So I fixed the curtains back. I started doing this more and more lately. So I did that. And to my wife, when she goes home today, she goes in the bedroom, she'll see that. And you know what she's going to think? He showed me he loves me. I'm going to manifest myself more to him. Is that what Jesus just said? Did Jesus say, he it is that loves me is the one that does what I say to do? And so I'm just, I just want to leave this with you. Think about this. God loves everybody. John 3.16 tells us that, for God so loved the whole world. But then Jesus said, and the disciple asked him, said, but why won't you manifest yourself to the rest of the world? He said, I manifest myself to those that prove they love me. And so we can have the love of God in our hearts enough to get to heaven. We want God to manifest himself more in our lives for healing, prosperity, for peace, for victory. Then we got to grow and mature in love, cause perfect love, grown-up love, mature love, cast out fear, cause fear has torment. Now I want to give you one more verse. Did that? Did that last example help anybody to see that? Jesus said, "You prove you love Him by doing what He says." Look at Second Peter one four, and this is just one more thing. Just something for you to think about. In 1981 or 1982 in Bible school, one of my Bible school teachers made a statement about this verse right here. And I think about this. Second Peter 1.4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. How many know that the Bible is exceeding great and precious promises? That by these... You might be partakers of the divine nature. That means that we could take portions of God's divine nature from his exceeding great and precious promises. And then it says, as we do, we will escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. We'll escape the corruption that's in the world. So as we take God's word, it becomes ingrained in us a part of our life where we act on it. We're growing and maturing in love. And we're taking portions of God's divine nature. And so, here's what the man said. And wow, I really hope this jumps off at you like it did me way back then. I've never forgot it. How many know that John 1.14 says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus is the Word, but He became flesh, lived in an earth suit. Well, right here, according to this, our flesh is becoming Word. He became flesh, and we're becoming word. The more we take his word into us, where we eat it, we breathe it, we think it. In other words, we're taking God's divine nature more and more, and God's divine nature is love, joy, peace, healing, health, whatever else you want to think of. The more we walk in the word of God, we love his word, we love his precepts, we treasure his word, 
the more we put that chair back in the corner, straighten up those curtains, then the more God's going to manifest himself in our lives. Perfect love cast out fear. Walk in the Word of God, love the Word of God, do the Word of God, grow the Word of God, and you're having perfect love. No matter what you walk through, you'll never be fearful or tormented. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.